How are you guys doing tonight? Okay. Um, before we get into our study tonight, we have uh, <clears throat> winter camp that's coming up. Our high schoolers will be taking off tomorrow. And so I just want to spend some time in prayer for them. But if there's stuff going on in your life as well, we want to lift that up to the Lord as well. And so um, let's just spend a little bit of time in prayer. And um, again, if you're going to pray and you want people to say amen, then pray a little louder so we can hear you. And then uh, if, you're, if you're praying to the floor, somebody else will start praying because they didn't hear you. So, you know, we don't want to interrupt uh, as we pray. And so if we can just pray and talk to the Lord and go from there. And so let's, uh, let's start in prayer. And Blanca, why don't you start us off in prayer for the high schoolers?
And God, we just <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for just our, our youth leaders, Lord, that will be going up as some of them leave their families, <clears throat> that, God, you would just minister to them as they're going to be taking care of our youth, Lord, that all the other leaders that will be there, that they might be able to minister to their kids and to reach out to others, Lord. And so we just thank you. I pray for the parents, Lord, that are letting their kids go. I pray that, Lord, they would be confident in you, that, God, you will minister to their child, their kid, and that, God, they would not be hopeless, but you would give them hope, Lord God, that you're going to touch and you're going to minister in a powerful way. So we thank you for all of that, Lord. I do pray for everyone in this room right now, Lord. Lord, I don't know what they're battling with right now. I don't know what they're they're dealing with, Lord, if it is feeling defeated in their life right now. Lord, you know everything that's happening personally. We may have not told anyone, but Lord, tonight, Lord, you want to meet them right where they're at. And you want to speak to them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts, open their ears and their hearts to hear your word. And that, Father, you would help me in conveying, Lord God, what your word says. Anything that's not of you, Lord God, that it would just fall by the wayside, Lord. But those things, Lord God, that are from you, then, Lord, please penetrate hearts and ears. God, we bless you. We thank you, Lord. Please be with us here right now. Anoint your word and anoint this time. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, turn, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 10. <clears throat> um, as we will be covering this whole chapter, chapter 10 tonight, um, I, I have been on quite a roll lately, um, I would say, of late, that we have been kind of just covering a chapter, maybe two chapters at a time, which is um, out of the ordinary for me, but I think I'm kind of getting used to it in the Old Testament like this. But uh, we, we've been looking at and covering the life of David, King David, as a matter of fact. King David, at this time that we are looking at, has come into his own. He has now been in power for several years. His kingdom has been established. We were told a couple chapters ago that, that David had rest from his enemies, those who had come against the nation of Israel. Oh, there were skirmishes here and there, and, and things were happening in, in, in the nation of Israel. But by and large, he was at rest. He, he, he had a time to... To kind of sit back and just look over the kingdom, over his own life. In, in essence, what he was doing um, in this time, he was taking inventory of his life. He, he was looking at all that God had done in his life. And I love that. I love the fact that this king, King David, did that. That, that, that is such an important lesson, I believe, for us as believers. That, that we would be able to take inventory of, of life, of what's going on in our lives on a regular basis. Because I think oftentimes the only time we take inventory of our life is when 
traumatic things are happening, things are, are falling down around us, and we're going, okay, what am I doing, not doing? And yet, when things are going okay, when things are flowing, we just kind of forget to take inventory and say, Lord, man, you have blessed me. You have allowed me to, to, to go through life. And, and, and with the good times or the bad times, Lord, I want to take inventory all the time. Because here, David could have just kind of sit back, sat, sat back and, and not done really anything but enjoy the fruit of the labor, you know, that was going on around him. But in essence, he was taking inventory and realizing that, that Lord, you, you have blessed. And he wanted to give back to God, and he wanted to do for God. And God's going, David, I'm not asking that you do that for me. I just want all of you, and I just want you to serve me. And let me remind you what I've done in your life, what I am doing in your life, and what I will do in your life. Not just in this lifetime, but for eternity. Let me show you these things. And then David just breaks out in this amazing prayer, and, and he just, it's like, man, what a time of worship as God just spoke to him. And with all that had happened in David's life, all the people that were close to him. And the time that it took for David to get to this point in his life, David could have been a very bitter man. He could have been making life miserable for, for people because, again, oftentimes there's just people who are just downers and they're always looking at the past. And even though things are going okay, it's like, yeah, but... And David could have been that. And David could have looked back and, and, and all those things. But instead, he blesses the Lord. And he blesses others, as we have seen in these last few chapters. And if you were here with us last week, you have to admit that it was a pretty awesome chapter. As David shows the kindness of the Lord, the grace of God, if you will, to the house of Saul for Jonathan's sake again what an example for us to follow <clears throat> the fact that King Saul had made David's life so miserable for so many years why would he even think that he would have to show Saul's house kindness grace I mean, I'm sure God would have understood <laughs> that covenant that he had made with Jonathan. I'm sure God would have understood if he hadn't or wouldn't fulfill it. After all, the way that he had been treated by Saul for all those years that he was on the run and, and kind of being a fugitive, I, you know, you almost want to go like, God, you understand that. Because I think oftentimes when we make promises, when we make covenants, and, and, and then things don't go our way, or, or there's been a, a time lapse, and you're going, I think God has just forgotten about it, so I'll just forget about it. Um, I'll just not, not do it. <laughs> but you see, that's not what grace, kindness, and forgiveness is all about. <clears throat> because... Again, you, you have to realize that grace and kindness and forgiveness is getting what you don't deserve. And, and, and David was going to give this to the house of Saul no matter how 
he had been treated and for how long he had been treated. And that's what grace is. Still extending forgiveness, still extending kindness, even to those who you feel don't deserve it. And so, 1 Samuel chapter 10, first two verses, says, It happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died. And Hanun, his son, reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came to the land of the people of Ammon. Now, I just want to stop right there for a while. And then we'll get on with, with the rest of the chapter. Here, once again, we, we see that David, again, as he's been taking inventory of his life, kind of looking at things that are going on, now he hears that the king of, of Anon, Anon had died. And, and in essence, he's going, I want to go show kindness. I want to show grace. I want to show comfort even to, to these people who really don't deserve it. The, the, the first time that we come across um, Nahesh, um, the first time we come across him is back in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11. We, we, we run across this man by the name of Nahesh, the Amorite. He had come against the people of Nahesh of uh, Jabesh Gilead. And, he, and the people of Nabesh Gilead, as he had come against them, they wanted to make a covenant with him to keep peace. And upon hearing what these people from Nabesh Gilead wanted, Nahash said, on this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may put out your right eye, and bring reproach to all the land of Israel. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because he's going, okay, yeah, you, you want to make a covenant with us? Well, just let me pluck out all your right eyes, and, and then we, we can make this treaty. And the interesting thing about these people from Jabesh Gilead is like, give us a week to think about that. I'm going, are you guys kidding me? It's like, he gets like, well, let me just practice by putting patches. Like, I can do without my right eye. I can do it. Yeah, maybe we should make a covenant with this guy. Well, when, when King Saul finds out that, that this guy from Ammon says that to these guys, he gets, in fury, he gets furious, and this is the first battle that King Saul really gets into, and it ends up being Saul's first battle first victory and he goes and he beats Nahash and the the people of Ammon and um, and it ended up that these guys were not really on good terms with Israel so now we come across this guy again um, in chapter 10 of 2nd Samuel now David tells us that King Nahash 
um, had showed kindness to him. Now, it never really tells us in Scripture what happened or how he had showed kindness to David. But it is quite possible that when David was on the run from Saul, that he made, um, he made allies with some of the, the enemies of Israel. As, as we know, he lived with the Philistines for a while. But it's quite possible that he had been making allies around the territory so that when he became king, he would be able to make friends with these people because he's already won them over. So it's quite possible that when he was on the run um, that he had make it, made an ally with this king. And this king probably showed him kindness because he was a fugitive. He was on the run and, and people were taking care of him. And so now... Um, the first time that, or the, the next time that we hear about Ammon is in chapter 8, a couple chapters ago. And we know that, that they are mentioned that David subdued as he was going out to the kingdoms or, or to take ground, that he was going to these nations and subduing them. And among those people were the people of Ammon along with other nations. And they were paying Israel uh, a tribute or taxes. But now the king is dead, and he wants to show kindness and comfort to the son. So it says that David sent, by the hand of his servants, a delegation, if you will. Almost like, like we would send a delegation when a king or a president or a prime minister dies in another country that we're, we are not at war with, that we would send a group of people to represent us, the United States. This is what David is doing here. He hears that the king is de dead. I, I don't know if he knew the son or not, but he's saying, you know what, I want to show kindness to them. This man has shown kindness to me, so I want to be able to go and, and just be there for them. We're not at war with them by any means. Yes, they, I have subdued them. They are paying me taxes, but we are not at war with them. And so it's quite possible that he just wanted to go and show some compassion, some kindness, some comfort, but maybe also to reassure them that they are still cool with one another. Oftentimes when, when a king died and, and, and somebody was taking his place, you know, they had this fear that the nations that they were friends with might not be friends anymore. And so maybe, perhaps, David was, was going to, to just go and say, hey, man, we're still with you, man. Nothing's going to happen. You still got to pay me my tribute. That's cool. But we're not going to be at war with one another. And this was the right thing to do for David. It was the proper thing to do as king. There is some grieving that is going on and David didn't want him to worry, didn't want the, the son to worry about their relationship. So this was a great diplomatic move on David's behalf and for this nation. So in verse 3, verses 3 to 5, it says, And the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanun, their Lord, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city 
to spy it out and to overthrow it. Therefore, Hanun took David's servants, shaved off half of their beards, cut off their garments in the middle um, at their buttocks, and sent them away. When David, when they told David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Wait at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. Hmm. Not a great move that happens here. I, I don't know if this delegation had already reached this new king. It, it really doesn't tell us that they had a dialogue co- together. It just, it just says that they had arrived there, they had gotten to that place, and, and, and we don't know, and I don't know, if, if the princes had done anything before, um, before they had a chance to meet, if the, if the princes had already went and talked to, to this new king, or they had conversed with these guys first. I don't know exactly how it happened, but regardless of what happened, the new king knew that they were coming. He had heard that they were on their way, or he had seen them, or however it was, but they had arrived to his land. And it is quite possible that he was so grateful that the king of Israel would show this kind of kindness, this kind of comfort to him. It's quite possible that being the new king, being grieving and all, that, that he just thought, wow, that's a, that's a great move. Thank you, David. Now, more than likely, these princes were advisors to the king. And it is quite possible that, that they had been his father's advisors as well. And it's quite possible, and there's a lot of possibilities here, and it's quite possible that these advisors had remembered what had happened 50 years ago, 50 years earlier. When, when, when Saul had come and basically fought against them for what they had wanted to do to the people of Jabesh Gilead. It's quite possible that they're going, no, man, this is that same nation that didn't let us pluck people's eyes out. You know, they're not going to, they're not too friendly with us, David. And remember, David, they are still taxing us. Or new king, not David. So without any kind of proof of any kind, they assume that the only motive for David sending any kind of delegation to them, anybody, was to search out the city, spy out the land, and to overthrow it. <laughs> These guys had probably not even heard any conversation, hadn't even had a word with the, the delegation from David. And here they have jumped to this conclusion, coming to this new king and saying, hey, don't be fooled by these guys. Don't be fooled about what's happening you know, here. These guys are only here to destroy us. These guys are only here to, to, to search out the city, spy it out, and they're going to overthrow us. I could guarantee you that, new king. <laughs> have you ever jumped to conclusions in your life, as I was thinking about this, what these guys have just done? Have, have you ever just, like, seen kind of a, a scenario happening and you just jump to conclusions and you all of a sudden, you know, think this is what, what, what's going to happen? And how many of those times 
have you hit it dead on? Probably not very often. <laughs> Oftentimes when we jump to conclusions, that never happens exactly what we're thinking. I, I, I was also thinking, do you ever play out in your mind the worst case scenario Something is going to happen. And man, you run the gamut, man. You, you go from here to here in a heartbeat, man. And all of a sudden, it's like the world is falling apart. Everything's happening, blah, blah, this and that. And, and you just go on and on and on. And worse yet is when you say it out loud to somebody. This is what's going to happen. And this and that. And how many times have you been spot on on that? How many times have you nailed it to a T, you know? That, that's what these guys are doing. They're seeing this delegation come and they're, they're going and telling the king this is what's going to happen without knowing anything from anything. They're already telling this guy this is doom right here and so we need to act before anything ever happens. These guys not only thought it but they said it to the king. And it is quite possible, once again, as I'm kind of looking at this, going, it's quite possible that the new king would never have entertained that conclusion, that scenario in his life. Not like something like that happened. He's going, he's just sending some people to comfort my heart. It's like, no, king, not at all. This act of kindness, this act of grace and comfort was basically met with a spit in the face, a slap in the face, if you will. Never even late letting it play out. I mean, the, the king should have said, hey guys, let's just see what he's all about. Everybody stand guard. If you guys are that concerned, go put guys wherever, but let him come and talk to me at least. Let's just hear him out instead of jumping the gun. Because something that was meant for good at this instance, and I believe David's motives were, were pure, were good, just got squashed really quick. And guys, I, I think that we need to be careful of having these kinds of people around us in our lives, allowing them to speak into our lives. I, I'm not saying that we cannot be cautious. <laughs> I'm not saying that we can't be leery at times about people and motives. That's not what I'm trying to say. But now I'm talking about people that jump the gun. I'm, th I'm talking about people that are, that are judgmental. That, that is their demeanor. They are negative all the time. Something seems like you know, people are coming or whatever, however the case may be, it's like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't trust any of these people. It's like, we don't even know them. Oh, just by their looks, I know, I know what kind of people they are. You know, you're already prejudiced against certain people and, and you don't even know them. And, and it is so damaging <laughs> because these people here that, they, that, that this new king has in his life is going to cause so much death to happen. And there's people that come into our lives who are so negative about everything and everybody that you're going, dude, how do you even function? Because everything is doomed to you. 
Man, you put a downer on everything, man. Nothing can, well, no wonder nothing goes right because you, you talk yourself out of it the whole time. Most of the time, <laughs> these are the type of people that are not afraid to speak their mind most of the time. They're not afraid to tell you what they think. And, and, instead of praying over something or, 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 or kind of like, just hold on. No, they, they believe that they have to speak their mind because, and they call it, you know, they disguise it by calling, no, no, I have the gift of discernment. When in reality, it's more of a gift of judgmentalism because they don't give anybody a chance. And that's a dangerous place to be in. <laughs> it's a dangerous place to have these kinds of people continually in your life that are always telling you, no, no, no. They, they love to pit people against other people. And they love to make other people miserable, just as miserable as they are. And if you ever call them out on that, it's like, man, you are just so negative. Oh my gosh, they are like so offended that you would even judge them that way. Because <laughs> they are always judging. But when you call them out, it's like, how dare you? And, th and these are the type of people that have the king's ear. They don't even give it a chance. They have no clue. I don't think they even know David. They probably have never even met David personally. They don't know that he has some kind of a tender heart. They don't know that he loves the Lord so bad that he's going, man, I know that what happened 50 years ago, I know what all these things, but man, oh man, your dad died, and I want to go and show you some kindness and bring some comfort to you, and they don't even get a chance to, to really have an audience with the king because other people have already influenced the king to say, don't let this happen. And again, probably being a new king going, oh, okay, you guys have been around a while, maybe you guys know better. Instead of probably thinking, can I just give the guy a shot? Can I give this guy an opportunity? And see, again, they, they don't understand what grace is in their life. Because why? They don't extend this kind of grace to people. They don't give people a benefit of the doubt. They just judge them harshly right on the spot. These kinds of people can never understand this kind of kindness because this kind of kindness is kind of foreign to that kind because they are not that kind of people to be kind to others. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> And it is quite possible that this new king didn't need much convincing. It's quite possible that maybe he already had some kind of chip on his shoulder. It's quite possible that these advisors had been around him long enough that he had already had this kind of critical spirit within him. <laughs> that they had been... Nah, 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 nah in his ears already. So he maybe it's quite possible because this is what happens. You, you hang around people long enough like that, man, you become just like them. And all of a sudden, you have that negative outlook in your life. It's a dangerous place to be 
the people of Ammon had gotten away from um, the pulling out of the right eyes fad. And now they were into the shaving off half the beard and cutting off the garments to expose a buttocks fad. It's like, these guys, it's like, this is is not your run-of-the-mill college hazing rituals that are going on here. It's like, they want to pluck people's eyes out earlier in life. And it's like, okay, people just didn't let us do that. So let us just cut half their beard. And it wasn't like, here, let me trim your beard, Jacob. You know, our, our youth guy. It was like, let's just cut half of it off. <laughs> let's just cut your clothes to where, to where your buttocks is showing, you know. And, and back in those days, you just didn't, didn't wear chonies. You didn't have them. It was an embarrassing thing. It, it, it was not something that's like, ha, 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 ha. That, that was funny. Okay. It wasn't that at all. This was meant to be a reproach, a humiliation to this delegation. These men who had come to bring, to bring comfort, to bring kindness, to show grace, to these people who had just lost their king. No, it was meant to humiliate these men. But not just the men, it was meant to humiliate the nation of Israel. And not just these men and the nation of Israel, but it was meant to humiliate King David personally. Here is the man who wants to show kindness, and and instead of these people kind of you know, receiving it, they're spitting in his face. And I know that one, one would think, when, when all this kind of happens, one would think, well, the men could have just got another change of clothes. No big deal. The men could have shaved the other part of their beard off. Why are they making such a big deal? <laughs> well, first of all, you don't mess with a guy's beard. Ever. Even today. Don't mess with a guy's beard. This was not your just like, hey, I just want to grow a beard. This was their, their, their culture. These Jewish men were supposed to keep their beards intact. This was, this was something that the law, even in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, talked about that you don't shave your beards, because, because it was a manly thing, or it was a Jewish thing, it was something that, that only men did. <clears throat> they were the only ones that can grow beards. Well, maybe some women did, but they weren't supposed to. <laughs> they, this was a man thing, and this was something that the Jewish people were known for. To have their beards. And to tamper with a man's beard was one of the greatest insults. You just didn't do that. And so for them, for that to happen, I'm sure they fought so that that wouldn't happen. But it was insulting to them. And then to top it off, secondly, the Jewish men, the Jewish people were to dress modestly. So to expose a man's body like this, 
was even more embarrassing. And it wasn't like it was, it was done in, in some house. It, it, they sent them out to do that in public. I mean, it, it was humiliating. And, 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 and to cut the, ta- the, the, the clothes off, it, it, was, it also meant that they cut the tassels that were supposed to be on their clothes. That, that again, in Deuteronomy and Numbers, it told them that that is what they identified them as Jews. So again, it wasn't just like this hazing that is going on. This was serious stuff. It was, it was meant to, to bring humiliation. Humiliation galore. You know, I, it's so funny. Cause I'm thinking, these guys probably fought to not let that happen. I remember in, in elementary school, Oh, man, my mind was going back there. And this guy, Albert Castile, for some reason, decided that they wanted to pants me out in the the playground. Man, oh, man, I fought like a lion, man. It was like, there's no way, man, that's never going to. So I can imagine these guys, because, man, the humiliation that would have occurred if they would have done that. You know, I, I, I probably wouldn't have shared the story today because it didn't happen. Okay, it just didn't happen. But this was a humiliating thing for the nation of Israel. Again, if if one of if we sent delegations to another country and they insulted us like that, it, it wasn't well. Maybe today we're probably like, oh, whatever. But back when men were men. <laughs> It's just, you just didn't like sweep it under the rug. You know, as I was thinking about this act of of kindness, this act of grace that that he was showing, you know, I was remembering last week when when the kindness and the grace was shown um, to Mephibosheth. And because of that, we saw some humiliation in Mephibosheth going, I'm yours. What, what do you need? I can't believe you're showing me this kind of kindness. And even though there was probably some fear in Mephibosheth, not knowing why the king was calling him, he still went. I'm sure there was some uh, uh, trepidation to, to get before the king. And then when he hears his name and he says, I want to show you kindness, yeah, he just melts at the king's feet. And so what we have here is not is a lack a lack of humiliation on the part of the people of Ammon. It's a lack of humiliation. It was meant as an insult, if you will. But in reality, what it was was a declaration of war. It was an act of war. And guys, isn't this crazy because I was looking at this like you, you don't disrespect another man like this because that's where wars get started and how many times have wars started over something like this and what happens next is, is like man you could have fixed it new king but you didn't David sent men to go meet with the men and said, hey, stay in Jericho, man. He went and protected his men because he didn't want any further embarrassment 
And so now David would, would have to deal with the people. And you know, as I was thinking about this, because of what's going to happen, it's like we're never going to know exactly what David would have done. But in verse 6, it says, Now the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David. And the people of Ammon sent and hired the Assyrians of Beth Rahab and the Assyrians of Ziba or Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers from the king of Makkah, uh, 1,000 men, and from Ishtob, 12,000 men. So 33,000 men are hired. Then David, uh, now when David heard of it, he sent Joab and his army of the mighty men. Then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array at the entrance of the gate and the Syrians of Zobah, uh, Beth Rehob, uh, Ishtab, and um, this other guy were by themselves in the field. And so, so here we, we don't know exactly what they saw, but the people of Ammon knew what they had done to make themselves repulsive. And that word repulsive is obnoxious, disgusting, a stench, a bad smell to David. I like the way the King James put it, they stank. They, they made a stank out of themselves for David or to David. Now, because they, the people of Ammon were not ready for this kind of a war, they hired 33,000 mercenaries from Syria to come and, and come in from the north and they would come up from the south. And so this new king knew that he was no match for King David. He knew that he had nobody like Joab to fight his battles for him. But you see, humility here would have gone a long way. But instead of showing humility, he, he, he declares war. And even after what happened to the men, the delegation, you would have thought that this new king would have said, guys, I, you know what, bad advice. I need to go smooth this over with David. If he would have come and humbled himself, even though he was already kind of subdued by David, if he would have came and said, David, 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 please, let's just stop this whole thing. But that could not happen. Instead, he goes and hires these people to come and make war. And again, how many times... Has something happened in our lives where, where we have made a bad decision to hurt somebody, somebody who wanted to show us grace and kindness and comfort, and instead we spit in their face or we do something in their lives, and instead of humbling ourselves trying to fix it, we start a war with them. How many times has, has that happened within the church? How many churches have split because people would not humble themselves. Instead, they hire other mercenaries to come in and do the battle. And that is what's happening here. And, and the bad thing is that there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people that will die. Okay, maybe thousands of people that will die because of this situation. Because the new king would not humble himself. Here somebody comes and shows kindness. 
And instead, he declares war. David now had to deal with this situation that this new king had brought about. Like I said earlier, we'll never know how David would have reacted to this situation. We would have never known. This man could not back down, and David couldn't back down at this point. So how are we supposed to deal with the situation when we show kindness and the grace of God and we are met with aggression, hostility, anger, if you will? How are we supposed to deal with that? Because we are told that we are to show kindness. We are told to to show grace and comfort. How are we supposed to deal with it? Well, I'll tell you how. You go after them and you destroy them. Wouldn't that be something if that's the advice I give you? Somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. Somebody comes against you, you come against them harder. They bring a knife, you bring a gun. Come on. Turn, if you will, really quick, if you'd like, if not, I'll read it to you, to Matthew chapter chapter 5. Quite a bit of reading here, but it says in verse 38, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, give him your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks and to him and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do you not not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brother or your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then over in Romans chapter uh, chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving uh, preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for 
for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to, the, to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What David had to deal with was a man who, who not only spit in his face, but has declared war. And he goes and hires these people, so now David has to fight back, understandably. But in the New Testament here, what we're looking at, if somebody comes against you when you have showed kindness, God says, hey, forgive them. Well, how many times? Seven times in a day? It's like, no, more than that. Seventy times seven. See, that's hard, man, because oftentimes we want to do exactly the opposite. We want to go against those who hurt us. When we show kindness. See, grace is continuing to show kindness when it's not deserved. That is grace. Going back to Second Samuel, and that will hurry up. Towards the end here, he says in verse 9, it says, Then Joab saw that the battle line was against him before and behind. He chose some of, nation, of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you will help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be strong for, your, for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near for the battle against the Syrians. And they fled before them. When the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai and entered the city. So Joab returned from the people of Ammon and went to Jerusalem. When the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered together. Then Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the river and they came to Holen and uh, Shobak, the commander of Hadadezer, uh, his army, went before him. When it was told David, they gathered all Israel and crossed over the Jordan and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in battle array against David and fought with him. Then the Syrians fled before Israel and David killed 700 charioteers, 40,000 horsemen of Syria, and struck Shobak, um, the commander of the army, who died there. And when all the kings who were servants to Hadadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Assyrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. They had to go and fight this battle because of pride, 
because of wanting to humiliate. And as Joab assesses the situation that was before him and even behind him, it says that he surrounded himself with the best. And these were the ones that were willing to go to battle with him. These were the ones that were willing to go into the trenches with him, to stand with him. They were nothing like the, the princes that surrounded the new king. It seems like, like those guys were defeatists. <laughs> and these guys were encouragers. And as I thought about this, there are those who are defeatists, who are pessimists all the time. And then there are those who are encouragers and optimists. And you can choose who to be around. You have that opportunity. But you can also be, or you can also choose which ones uh, you will be as well. Because you could be a defeatist, a pessimist. You could be an optimist, an encourager. And then people will choose whether they want to be with you or not. <laughs> Because oftentimes, if you're one of those who are always seems to find themselves without a friend in the world, it's like, check yourself. Take inventory. Check, check yourself. Because it's important that you do that. Because it's not everybody else's fault, probably, but your own. See, you can, you can choose to, to have people like sur that surrounded this king, or you can choose to be like the people that, that Joab surrounded himself with. It's your choice. And it's your choice who you want to be. Joab set up the strategy with his brother Abishai, and Joab took the Syrians, who would be coming from the north, and they were probably bigger and badder and stronger. And I love that about Joab. But then again, he did have the best with him. Not that, that Abishai had, had uh, chopped liver with him, these guys were willing to fight as well, but he says, hey man, these guys become too strong, you will help us. If they become too strong, we will be there for you as well. And that's what it means to have one another's back. That's what it means to work together. Joab was not known to be a spiritual giant by any means, but he did have this amazing moment in verse 11. Um, no, in verse 12, he says, be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord do what is good in his sight and I love the way the Amplified puts it it says be of good courage let us play the man for our people and the cities of our God and may the Lord do what seems good to him you know I think oftentimes when when we show kindness and we're met with opposition, we can become like the people who never will give people the benefit of the doubt. We stop giving grace and kindness out because people have hurt us. Guys, we can't do that, not as Christians. We can't, we can't live like that. You have been shown grace. You have been shown kindness. You have been shown comfort by the Lord. And we are to give that out continually. When we look at Old Testament stories like this, and again, we'll never know what David, what David would have done had this guy humbled himself. But instead, this guy goes and, and, and all-out war happens. 
And people died. People got hurt. Let us not be those who, who want to hurt, who are negative, who will never show grace because we've gotten hurt here and there. Guys, we've been shown way too much grace for that. When in doubt, <laughs> show grace. Always. And when you think, well, I don't know if I should again. Well, you don't have to be their besties and hang out with them forever. But show them grace. Do not hold a grudge. Because if you show grace, then you win. You really do. But if you show pride, you'll be defeated. Just like these people. Amen? Let's stand as we close in prayer and we sing the last song. Father in heaven, thank you for this chapter, Lord. Father, as we look at last week's chapter, Lord, and we see that the kindness that was shown there was met with humiliation. And yet, Lord God, in this chapter, the, the, the kindness that was shown was, was met with hostility. And Lord, as your people, we want to be obedient to you. Father, we, we want to be able to show grace even when people are hostile towards us, even though we, we are met with the spit in the face, basically. We want to be able to humble ourselves continually. And Lord, if we have wronged somebody <laughs> and we have hurt them, Lord, instead of continuing to be prideful, Lord, help us to humble ourselves, to get it right, so that we don't cause a war or division among the body of Christ, among our own families even. Help us, Lord, to watch what we say and how we say it, Lord, because we end up hurting people. So, Father, please, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I don't know what they're battling with right now. I don't know which side they might be on right now, Lord, God, but I pray that you would minister to them. And so we look to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer,